turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, the great Christmas story. I was reading a sermon that Charles Spurgeon did 160 years ago today. I was reading it yesterday, but today he did that sermon over in England 160 years ago. The Christmas story never seems to get old. We love it, and we're also instructed in, uh, in Romans, I mean not Romans, in Revelation, uh, in, in uh, the, the seven churches, the seven churches of Revelation, in the first church, Ephesus, we are instructed, or they were instructed, which really means we are instructed to go back to your first love. So when we think of Jesus being born, that seems to be that place where everything starts for us, our hope. Uh, if it wasn't for God being able to come down and to be like us, God was so big and powerful that he... Uh, he couldn't be a savior for humankind. You needed a human that was perfect. And God was manifest in the flesh, according to John 1, and he became that perfect sacrifice. So what you need to look at is when all of the simple things, all of the just very human things that happened, when Christ was born into this world. He left glory above to come down and to dwell among us. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. So if you uh, want to follow the whole Christmas story, or you want to read it uh, family time, you need to know how to uh, read it in order. Some people just go to Luke 2 and just read Luke 2, and then they're done. But if you want to really go through it uh, and try to get it in chronological order, um, you know, pretty much every year. I didn't go uh, this past Tuesday. I wasn't at the jail, but Cameron was there, and I'm sure they did the Christmas story. I'm, I'm, I'd be shocked if they didn't. But all those years of going over there, uh, that, that week of Christmas, always, and I, and I, and I broke it out like, like this to where you can, you can see the order of it. And you would start with what is called the Annunciation, the announcement in Luke 1. So you can take notes on that. I'm not going to be reading all of that, but I'll just mention it. Uh, Luke 1, and then you want to read 26 through 38. <clears throat> and that is uh, where you will see the Annunciation, where it's right after the story of John the Baptist, uh, his Zacharias and Elizabeth being told that they were going to have a son and they were way too old for it. So when all that, you read about all of that and then uh, uh, Elizabeth's pregnant and then uh, six months later and, it's, and how the Annunciation starts in 26 and in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin 
espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, um, she was espoused to him. That means that was uh, engagement time. So she was a virgin. Very important that you know that and you believe that. Now we know that she had a very good question. How could that be? Of course, the angel explained it to her. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And uh, Mary was very willing to be that person who would carry Jesus. Then, then you would go to, after you read through uh, 38, you would, uh, the, next, the next thing would be conception and birth. So there's two places, if you could read them both at the same time. It'd be hard to do, but you got two eyes, try it. Matthew 1, 18 through 25 would be, a, uh, would be the place that you would want to read. I usually do it in this order, Luke 1, 26 to 38, and then I'll do Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 1, and I read 18 through 25. It says, Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph is trying to figure out how he could, you know, if he was a mean person, he could have turned her over to the authorities, and they could have stoned her to death. But he was just blown away. He couldn't understand how this could happen because she was such a, just seemed like such a perfect girl. And he was, he saw in a vision that everything was exactly the way she said and that he needed to go through with this and be with her. And uh, he, was, he was shown those things. That's, that's where we see where his name will be, Emmanuel. And then in Luke uh, chapter 2, basically 1 through 20, so 1 through 7 goes along with the conception and birth uh, heading, but then two, uh, uh, 8 through 20 is the adoration of the shepherds, and that's where I'm going to be concentrating on today, is the adoration of the shepherds from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And then to, then it, to finish it up, this is for you, for you guys, for your notes, you would flip back over to Matthew and you would go to chapter 2, and that's the visit of the Magi. Most people call them wise men. But later on at the end of this sermon, you're going to wonder, were they all that wise? Now they were, but you'll understand what I'm, why I'd ask the question a little later. So you should be at Luke 2 now, and we are going to read. I'm going to go ahead and start with 1, and those first seven verses that I mentioned was part of conception and birth. All right. Luke 2, verse 1. Are you ready? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea 
unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. If you want to uh, see something really interesting, you can read Matthew. The very beginning of Matthew is this genealogy. And you can, from, from uh, Jesus' earthly father, his basically foster father, you can track uh, Joseph back all the way to David through Solomon. But then you go over to Luke chapter 3, and there's another genealogy. And you can, you know, the Christmas story starts in Genesis 3, what, verses 14 and 15? That's where the Christmas story starts. So if you have a Jewish friend that doesn't have the New Testament, they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, then you need to share the Christmas story with your Jewish friend in Genesis chapter 3. Something very significant is said there, and it kind of, you know, if you read it as a wise person, an educated person, uh, the seed of the woman, whoa, that doesn't make sense. The seed comes from the man. But the Bible says the seed of the woman. Are you going to change it? I wouldn't change it. So this genealogy over in Luke, you follow it back from Mary all the way back to a different son of David, which was Nathan, and that takes Jesus' line all the way back through Mary, seed of the woman. She was a virgin. No seed involved. It was the Holy Ghost overshadowed her, and she became pregnant with the Son of God. Now it all makes sense. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3. So we got a lot of reading to do to get all up to Luke. If we're going to start way back there. All right, I'll let you do that on your own. Let's continue. Verse 5. To be tacked with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, the world is being controlled right now by the devil. He is the uh, one that has been in charge of things, and just look at the world, all over the whole world that we live, that we live on this earth, and you can see evidence of it everywhere. Now, the world doesn't have room for Jesus. Don't have room for him. Not only was he not welcome in the end that day that he was going to come into this world, even now he's not welcome. He was born in what we would say a stable, a place where animals were gathered, and that's all, the only place they could find, and that's where the creator of the universe came into this world. He was laid in a wooden feed trough. 
with hay in it. He's laid there, and that was his crib. He came into this world on a wooden feed trough, and his last human act, he was laid on a wooden cross to go out of here. That was his purpose, to come into the world as a little baby, to be human like every one of us, to be raised up by a poor mom and dad, just common people. Think of all of the common things that you've heard about this. Just common things. Nothing fancy. I mean, you think of this uh, palace, this beautiful hotel that would be fitting for a king to be born in, and he couldn't even get in the inn. But you would think of the proper place for somebody of that stature to be born in would be something extravagant that most people wouldn't be allowed to go anywhere close to. But it was a stable where he was born. And there were in the same countries, verse 8, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, would a shepherd know much? Would they know, uh, would they be very educated? If you would go back to Israel back in this day, these shepherds probably had no education whatsoever. They would not be looked upon as anything worth looking upon. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, so just imagine this one angel, the bright lights, and this angel comes down, and the angel is telling the shepherds this, and then all of a sudden, the whole sky lights up with angels everywhere singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now getting back to those wise men, the visit from the, the Magi. Now they were royalty. They were something else. They were educated. They knew, those wise men, those Magi, saw a star in the sky and followed after that star. Remember, they were probably dressed uh, very nice in royal clothing. They were probably riding on camels, and they had all this... Uh, uh, knowledge and wisdom, did they show up in the right place? They stumbled into Jerusalem. They were worldly men who thought, of course, 
a king being born would be in Jerusalem. Did the shepherds have any problem finding Bethlehem? They don't know much of nothing, do they? And they go right to the place. The wise men, they go to the place they really shouldn't go to because there's an evil king there that would want to kill a newborn king. See the, see the pattern here? The, the weak and lowly things that God uses? Peace on earth. That, that is the only true peace that has ever come down to this earth was Jesus Christ being born. When Jesus showed up to be born in Bethlehem, his mother, Mary, was in the wrong place. She was not in Bethlehem. She was quite a distance away from there. All the prophecies that were talked about by, by the prophets about where he would be born, where he'd be from, and all the details, nothing was right. It was, I mean, nothing's in the right place. You would, you would hope that Israel was in control of themselves so they can make these things happen. All of the scribes, they would have been, okay, all right, let's, let's make sure that we're in control and we can make sure all this stuff happens. But they weren't. They were, they were under Roman authority. So how is it all going to work? God uses the evil emperors of this world to do what needs to be done. He uses the worldly governments to make things happen. Remember, he uses Babylon to take the children into captivity. So nothing's impossible with God, and the worldly things that you see, you don't have to be part of it, but God will use those things to get everything where they need to be. And it all fell into place exactly how the prophet said it would. Nobody had to help God. We, we, we think as humans, all right, well, we've got to help God. We've got to get this right and this right and make sure everything's going to work out for God because He needs our help. He needs none of our help. What He says in His Word, if He says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I don't care if every one of us do the opposite and try our hardest to stop it, it's not going to stop it. We'll just have many people who will spend eternity in hell for the things that we do wrong. But what he says is going to happen is going to happen. We're supposed to love people and to help people come to the knowledge of their Lord and Savior. So this makes me think of, as I was going through all of this, it, I, I kept thinking of 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31. You don't have to turn there if you don't want, but uh, if you're quick, you want to turn to 1 Corinthians or just write it down, but I'm, I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27 through 31 says, But God, I, I want you to think about the people who were in power, I want you to think about this little city they had to go to. Think about Jesus being born in a stable, laid on a manger, and 
the wise men missing the mark to start with, and these, these very uneducated shepherds actually being told where to go, and they went right there. Think about it. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31 says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. I mean, a virgin cannot have a baby. No, that's impossible. But that's what, exactly what God used, a virgin. Things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That, why? Why would he do all of that? That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, well, wisdom and, listen closely, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That's improper English, right? To have that many ands in the same sentence? Well, that's, uh, you, you'll, you're going to find that in the King James Bible. You, you probably won't find it in others, but it shows you the significance and the equalness of each word that is used. And it's to slow you down so that you won't say unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And you just blow right through it. The King James Bible also has sentences in that form as well where they have commas and no ands. And there's a place where I could show you where it's both, the same things are listed very close together, and there's a reason behind it. And, 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 and. And notice it's four things. That, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And now... Ephesians 3, we just read this a couple weeks ago on Wednesday. If you haven't listened to the Wednesday night services the last three weeks or so, you may want to do that. Go to the podcast. Find The podcast address is on your bulletin. Look that up and, and listen to some of these Wednesday nights that we've been doing lately, talking about Joshua. And they've been, they've been pretty good. I mean, I don't, I'm not bragging, I'm not trying to brag on myself, I'm just saying, they're just good. I, I listen to them and go, wow. But we read this a few couple, couple Wednesdays ago, and this is Ephesians 3, 17 through 21, listen carefully, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth or width and the length and the depth and the height. Four, there's four dimensions here. I'm, I'm noticing a lot of things in the Bible where it's four. And this, this doesn't make sense to our human mind. But with God, there's a whole other dimension 
You know, three-dimensional objects is what we see. And that's what God is working with here on this earth. But you can throw in the fourth dimension when you think of where he is. And he's in the heavenly. He's on a totally different realm. You know, there's the real that we deal with every day, the real, the worldly things, the real. But then there's the more real. And you have to be a born-again child of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, to be able to comprehend the more real. And if you listen to some of those messages on Wednesdays, uh, the last few weeks, it's things you must believe that God has told you that's over and above anything that you see in yourself. And when you keep looking at yourself and trying to fight self, it'll be a losing battle as long as you're here on this earth. But when you give up and quit trying to help God fix you and just let Him crucify you, and then you can be born again to be on the more real, which is something that you can't see unless this happens to you. 19, this is Ephesians. Still in Ephesians, uh, chapter 3, this is verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Back over to Luke chapter 2. And they came with haste. So this is the, this is the shepherds. They're, they're going to Bethlehem. They're going to find. So in 15 it said, And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Those lowly shepherds, the angel came to them. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now here's, the, here's these next four verses. This is the sermon for today. These next four verses. All of what I've said so far is just leading up to the sermon. But lucky for you, it's a very, very short sermon. So we're almost done. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They, can you, they, they go in and they see this. They see the creator of the universe lying there. Maybe while they're there visiting, Mary has actually picked the creator of the world up in her arms and she's holding him. He's wrapped in swallowing clothes. And they're seeing this and they know that it's Jesus, their Savior, and they go back out, and everywhere they go, the very first person they see, they're wanting to spread this news. Are we like that? Do, do you have that urgency? Or, see, you may just have the knowledge of the birth of Jesus, Jesus being born in that stable, God being manifest, you may have that knowledge just because you've heard it read to you, preached to you, you may have read it in the Bible, and it's just a book knowledge of it. 
but have you really seen it for yourselves? Has it touched your heart? Do you have a heart knowledge of it? Then you will go out and want to tell everybody about it. It's different. But you're not in a position to do 17 yet until you've read 18, 19, and 20 and done those. So 17 says again, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad, saying which was told them concerning this child. Now, uh, Hildred probably remembers, but when I read this at the jail, that's when he, was, he would just start saying, as soon as I read that verse, he would start singing, go tell it on the mountain like he did last week for us. And everybody was like, what? But that was, a, that was the plan. Now, 18, listen, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, before you're going to do 17, you've got to be the ones, one of the ones that have heard it. You, the message has to come to you first, and do, do you hear it and wonder about it? Wonder about it. Look into it. Do you admire the whole story that's been told to you? Or do you want to have this adoration that the shepherds had when they saw Jesus in there? Look at 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So in 18, people wondered. And then in 19, Mary, and I hope a lot more than Mary do this, pondered, meditated. She... You know, notice in, in, uh, in the Bible and a lot of these stories throughout the Gospels, the men are the ones who normally went out, and the women, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily right for women to go out. They needed to be protected. They were vulnerable. Mary is right there with the Lord, and she is thinking very deeply and pondering all of what has happened. She was the closest anybody will ever be to Jesus. She gave birth to him. That mother-child relationship is extremely important that only a mother can provide. Fathers are protectors. Fathers can't do what a mother can do. A mother cannot do what a father can do. Now there's a whole nother long sermon on that that we will not get into today. But it's much needed for today. Remember, Satan hates little babies being born. Satan hates women because of Genesis 3. The seed of the woman will bruise its heel on your crushed head. He hates women. He hates little babies. Think about the alabaster ointment that that woman came to Jesus and, and used that ointment and all the men were upset over it. The waste of all that money, how expensive it was, and Jesus had to rebuke them 
and say, she knows what she's doing. That relationship she had with Jesus. We need to be willing to fall at Jesus' feet and wash his feet with our tears and dry them with our hair. Are you willing to do that? Many cases in the Bible where women had it figured out. Women had it figured out. And the men needed to learn from it. We need to learn from verse 19. You need to ha- you and Jesus only, you need to have a relationship like that. 20. And the shepherds returned. What did they return to? What did the shepherds return to? Think about that. And what did they do when they returned? They returned glorified and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. They returned back to shepherding because that's what they were called to do. All of us have abilities that God has given us. We're all different. Within the church, we're different. Not everybody is as good a uh, a spiritual warrior. Maybe you have people who are very gifted in being prayer warriors. Others are not. There's some in here that may be very gifted at going out and evangelizing. They just have that gift. And if you're someone who doesn't have that gift, you might be uh, evangelizing to those who are the very closest to you in maybe a safe setting. But then the one who's been called to be an evangelist go out into the places that you would never even go to. And that's where they're going because they're, they're called to do that. But we also, just in the world, we all have different things that we go do. If everybody was a firefighter, who's going to drive the ambulance? Who's going to do the surgeries at the hospital? There's all kinds of things that we need in this world, and we all have gifts, and we all have to do what we do. And sometimes we try to do things that we're not supposed to do. These lowly shepherds went back to being shepherds and wherever you go to, wherever you return to, you should be doing exactly what these shepherds are doing. You should be glorifying and praising God for all the things that you have heard and seen as it was told unto you. And then verse 18, 19, 20 starts all over again. And then you go back to 17... You go out and tell all, you publish it all, you go out there and just spread it into the world, and then it starts all over again, over, and it's been happening ever since Jesus came to this earth as a baby. The whole time Jesus was here, he never had a place that he could call his own to lay his head. Never did. He came here for a purpose, He fulfilled the purpose, and we are to go out and share it with others. Amen. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain.
that Jesus Christ is born. Oh, you just go tell it on the mountain. Well, it's over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the the story, the Christmas story. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us would be uh, a person who would want to tell this story that we have seen and heard. Father, that we would be like these shepherds, that we don't have to worry about being uh, super educated, knowing all this and that, or being able to speak very well. Uh, Father, that we would not be ashamed and that we would just go out and share this wonderful news to anybody and everybody. Thank you, Lord. Father, be with each and every person that's here. Uh, Help them to have a wonderful Christmas time and to go out and find someone that needs to know the story. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.